You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 73. Cubs crush Colorado. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley interviews legendary actor, Chicago native, lifelong Cubs fan, Joe Montaigne, and host of the Hollywood and Ivy show on Marquee, Brigham Avery, about Joe's Cubs fandom and why he and Brigham decided to celebrate the Hollywood and Ivy show. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I'm pleased to welcome the executive producer of the Hollywood and Ivy show. You've seen him on you know, all sorts of TV shows, movie shows, huge Cub fan, Joe Montaigne, and we have the host of Hollywood and Ivy, Briggs Avery. How you doing, guys? Excellent. Outstanding. Outstanding, Crowley. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Absolutely. Joe, you know, everybody knows you are one of the biggest Cub fans around, and you've always kind of, since, since your early days in acting here in Chicago, kind of put your Cubs passion kind of matching with the with your your you know your acting when you did the bleacher bums in was it 1977 correct what gave you the idea to to come up with a play about fans of the bleachers well you know i've been prof- acting professionally since 69 at that point and in fact in 69 when i was doing the play hair at the schubert theater downtown chicago in the second act i wore a tie-dyed ernie banks t-shirt because the hair was that kind of a show that you could kind of free form it and I wore this tie-dye Ernie Banks t-shirt. And I remember when Ernie Banks came to see a performance of it. And, I, and they, they let me know that. The press people let me know at intermission that he was in the audience. At the curtain call, I walked to the front of the stage and said, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to, just before we do the curtain call, I just want to say we have a celebrity in the audience, Mr. Ernie Banks. Like, I remember this was 69. The Cubs were in first place. It was the year of, you know, of they almost got there, you know, before the Miracle Mets. So anyway, he stood up and it was just, and then he invited me to the ballpark the next day. So, I mean, so my, my relationship in terms of show business and the Cubs were, was already well cemented at that point. But in 77, when I was with the Organic Theater Company out of Chicago, we were getting to near the end of our season. We had no money left for another season. We were going to have to take the summer off and wait for our grant money to come in to start the, in the fall again. And they said, and I remember Stuart Gordon, our, our producing director, said, has anybody got an idea for a show that will cost us nothing? And basically, I put my hand up and I said, I've got an idea. I sit up in the bleachers, you know, whenever I can. And I sit amongst this group of guys. And I said, there's as much theater going on up in those bleachers as what's happening on the ball field. And, and as much theater as any playwright has ever written. I said, I think if you all come with me and sit with me in, in that section of the bleachers, you'll agree that there's a play there. And my impetus was, if we can get one-tenth, one-hundredth of an audience to see a play as the Chicago Cubs get to come see a team that at that point was, you know, hadn't won a, 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 a championship in almost a century, then I'm on to something. So in other words, so I took the, the whole cast down and the whole company of actors. We, we, we went to three straight games, I think, just to kind of absorb it all. And they all agreed said, yeah, this is theater. This is, there's a story here. The, 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 the crux of it being what causes fans to embrace a team that at the best is mediocre, but yet have this incredible passion, people from all walks of life, financial, racial, nationality, doesn't matter, you know. And that, and that was the, the, the crux of the play. And that's why I had the idea. I thought if I can just tap into that, what, what's fandom about? And, and the Cubs being the perfect example of, if you're, you know, it's, it's hard to be a Cub fan. Easy to be a Yankee fan back in those days, you know. But uh, so what makes a what makes a, f- a fan 
uh, a fan. So that's what that's about. And what made you a Cubs fan? How did you end up in this uh, crazy group of people? <laughs> that, that's the curse my father put on me, I guess you'd have to say. You know what I mean? I'd always said, you know, I said it would have been a lot easier if my dad made have been a Sox fan back then. At least they, they had a little, gave us a little satisfaction in the 50s, you know. But, no, it's one of those things. I think my grandfather started it with, and then gave it on to my dad, and my dad gave it on to me. So I can't really – I can't point to that moment where it happened. All I know is we always went to Wrigley Field – I never went to Comiskey Park. Maybe it was just that it was closer. We lived on the west side. I could have gone either way because being on the west side, you know, it could have gone either way. And my next door neighbor, my best friend, Ernie Majeras, was a Sox fan. So, I mean, it, it, it was the luck of the draw as to what what caused my dad. I, you know, never got to really question him about that. As But that's that was my – but I, I'm so glad he did. I mean, because like I said, I think being a Cubs fan, it, 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 it builds character. I would like to think it, it builds character in, in any human, any individual that, that's taken upon themselves to follow a team like that. Absolutely. And, you know, when you kind of look at that, you have been to so many games. Tom Dreesen was just out here singing the stretch. Right. Now, oh, yeah. I know you and him are in a competition to see who right. has thrown out the most first pitches. Yeah, Is Ed Hardig on that? Do you know? I don't know. I know Tom's probably up on me, though. In fact, he, he, he texted me the photo that, that day a few days ago. And I last did it just over Memorial Day weekend when I was there. Uh, I, there may be others, actually, that have, that have done it even more than Tom. And I, I don't know, but that's a little competition he and I have. But he was a, he was a, a bat boy for a minute. So, I mean, he, you know, he's, he, he's kind of up on me in that department. But yet, you know, I conceive the play that, you know, that, that, that's still being done all over the world at different times. So I'd like to think I, I did my bit of kind of spreading cub lore, regardless of who thrown out the first pitch. Now, you do have bragging rights because you went to one of the greatest games of all time, which was? Well, not just there. I threw out that first pitch. And I'm going to spin the camera. I'll, yeah. you can see those baseballs? See those baseballs up there? Yes, sir. Okay. One of those baseballs is signed by Kerry Wood and dated. And that's the baseball that I threw out the first pitch in the game that he struck out 20 players. So that was the luck of the draw. I mean, I happened to be, in, ironically, I happened to be in Chicago at that time to record the radio version of Bleacher Bums. We've been asked, I think it was by PBS or whoever it was, to do, to bring in the original cast and make the radio version of it. Uh, and, because then we wound up filming it as well for WTTW. Uh, and so when I happened to be in town, the, the Cubs contacted me, says, hey, you know, we, we heard you're in town. You want to throw out the first pitch this week? I said, yeah, Thursday I'm free, you know. And it was like a gloomy kind of semi-rainy day against Houston. I figured, man, eh, it'll be fun. Invite the cast, invite my brother, have a few laughs, see the Cubs. Little did we know it would be one of the most, you know, history-making days in baseball ever, especially for Cub fans. So uh, I feel very blessed that I was able to – you know, not only throw out that first pitch, I called the seventh and eighth inning up in the booth with Santo, and and uh, and I have that ball. That's that's the first. That's 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 a that's a that's a Hall of Fame ball. You know, that could be, but it, it's staying here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> were you were you nervous at all going into the eighth or ninth? I can't imagine what the vibe was like. Well, you know, you could you could find it online. I'm sure that the, the play by play because they sent they sent. CDs out of that entire game the following season to all the season ticket holders, and you hear me calling the radio, you know, up in the up in the booth. I, I stayed, I think, through the eighth inning, 
And, and so you hear me going, oh, no, he's got 18. Oh, oh, no, he's got 19. You know what I mean? It was like we were all hyped up. You know, all of us were just totally jacked up, not, you know, not even sure what was going to happen. And uh, it's probably best that it was a surprise, best that it was unexpected. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it made it all the more special. I knew you were coming on, so I grabbed this out of my memorabilia collection. This is actually one of the K's from that day. It oh, was, excellent. Yeah. It was actually my PE teacher, my middle school PE teacher, that was the one that made these. He made 16 of them because he didn't anticipate 20. And right. um, his family was nice enough to, uh, I, I made a donation, and they were not kind enough to give me one of the, uh, one of the 16. So I had to show you that because I knew there was only one person that could appreciate it. Oh, like absolutely, absolutely. And, and there's two people that can appreciate that, actually. That, that's amazing. I, I love that. And, um, gentlemen, I, I want to say, first of all, don't you think that is the most dominant pitching performance of all time? I know you're asking the questions here, buddy, but uh, uh, Jason, Joe, that was his fifth ever start. I'm talking about. Kerry oh, yeah. Clark. And, you know, you know and not rookie. just that. I, I re- Roger, Roger Clemens struck out 20, you guys, in his third full year in baseball. It was against the Seattle Mariners, who are not murderers row. Yeah, and, and he probably was juiced. Run in that game. And <laughs> Kerry Wood did that against the Houston Astros, who had two future Hall of Famers. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. Sometimes that weather, Joe and, and Jason, it can be very difficult to to pitch in that overcast. Of course, I, I of course. See those K's with all the rain. Drenched. But also, also, I remember distinctly that sometime it must have been around the fifth, sixth inning. I don't, I remember. But there was a there was an incident that I looked back on it and I went, it was kind of there was like a drop third strike. In other words, there was an incident where he kind of yeah. grazed grazed the ball and it just kind of tipped out of the catcher's mitt and didn't even think twice about it at the time. But I thought to myself, wow, it was just that one millisecond, you know, that kept it from being the 21st strikeout. You know, so. and, and it could have been it could have been a no hitter too. that could have been. There was a ball hit by Ricky Gutierrez that went off the glove of Kevin Ory, who was the third baseman. That could have easily if it was a hometown enough scoring that could have easily yeah. been scored an error. And it would yeah. have been a no hitter, a 20 strikeout, no hitter, but a 20 strikeout, one hit performance. He did hit a batter. He walked nobody. And for that to be your fifth overall start in baseball. I don't know how that can't be the greatest pitching performance of all time. And as a matter of fact, we've got uh, something we're, we're going to announce, Joe. we got a big show coming up in a week with uh, with somebody that, that, that might have been, you know, critical that day, not just you, but, um, you know. Yeah, exactly time. right. Exactly yeah. right. Now, now, Joe, I know that you, you know, not only do you, have you appeared in a lot of Cubs documentaries, you know, everybody mm-hmm. loves talking to you about your fandom, but you've also produced some stuff. Were you one of the producers for this old Cub, Ron Santos, uh, Jeff Santos documentary on his father? Yeah, I, I, I was. I mean, uh, you know, Ron, I, I became dear friends with his, with Ron's son, Jeff, who's a wonderful writer, came to me, you know, years before that with the script uh, called The Diamond in the Rough, which was basically a play he had written that was wonderful. It was loosely based on his dad and, and Randy Hunley and Glenn Beckert, I believe, or, or, or no, it was just, um, and none of the characters he based it on. It was, um, uh, well, I know his dad was certainly one of them. And I think Hunley was the other one. And then the other, or no, Beckert was the other one. And then the other one was, uh, 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 oh, what's his name? Matt Kessinger, uh, Randy Hunley. No, 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 Joe. Uh, the, the the guy that used to use the hair dryer in in, in the dugout, um, in, in the in the clubhouse, the first Joe baseman. Pepitone. Pepitone. Pepitone was the and so it was loosely based on Pepitone, Santo, and Becker, and yet of course the names were all changed, but it was a wonderful uh, play that he had written, and uh, and so I got involved with him with th- with that, and we did a, a reading of it. We did a wonderful reading of it with Dennis Franz. Uh, did it with my, myself, and uh, and we wound up uh, recording it. In fact, for uh, 
some some sort of radio theater group. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, and I'm forgetting what the original question was. We were talking about uh, you were producing that. You were producing. Oh, that producing it. Yeah. yeah. So so this old cub. Yeah. So so when uh, he asked me to you know become the narrator basically of the film, and I also helped get him some of the celebrities that appears in it, like Dennis Farina, Gary uh, Gary Sinise, a few of the others. So in other words, but but uh, Jeff. You know, it, it was pretty much, you know, I give all the credit to Jeff. Jeff is, is, a, is a wonderful talent. He put that all together. And I was just happy to get involved with him to help him you know, get, it, get, get it to the next level. Absolutely. And now you're producing the show on Marquee, one of my favorites, Hollywood and Ivy. And uh, talk to me about how you and Briggs kind of came up with this idea to put this on Marquee. Well, Brick, you know, Brick is like a computer with the Cubs. So, I mean, it's, I, I tap into him like, you know, just like if I want any information on it, you know, going back to Tinkers, the Evers, and before that, you know. But anyway, uh, you know, we have a history together. We used to have the restaurant Taste Chicago in Burbank years ago. Brick would come in there, do, do some live stuff, you know, from there. So, I mean, it was just a meeting of two, you know, two Cub fans. Both of us have different, you know, kind of occupations in the business. And Brick came to me with this idea and I just thought yeah Hollywood and Ivy I like I like the name of that you know and yeah. and uh let's let's give it like anything else you give it a shot you throw it up in the air see if it flies you know what I mean but I mean what was great is as I you know it's pretty much my job to approach a lot of these celebrities that you see on the show and what's what's wonderful is and I'm not surprised that it happened you you ask them to do anything else you know, you might get, well, I don't know, you know, talk to my agent, or I don't know, I'm going to be here, or that, or you'll, there'll be a whole lot of rigmarole. You start mentioning, hey, you want to come on a show and talk about your 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 your, your fandom of, with, of the Cubs? All of a sudden, these, these men and women turn into little kids again. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, that would be fun, you know what I mean? And, and so no matter who they are, I, I recall how when I was, I used to be on the Kennedy Center Committee, and one year they honored uh, Bruce Springsteen. I'm riding the bus from the White House to the Kennedy Center to go to the event. And I'm with Eddie Vedder. And all we talked about was the Cubs. You know what I mean? And I'm just thinking, here I am sitting next to this rock and roll god. And, and, we're t and, he, and, he, and here I am, an actor, him, the, the, the rock star. And yet that one thing we shared, our, our love of the Cubs, and that was like we were both getting excited like we were both 12 years old, you know, talking about baseball cards and stuff like that. So, I mean, that, that, to me, that's the key. And that, that's, to me, that's the success of the, of the show. And, uh, you know, uh, any, any, you know, you don't, why wouldn't you want to watch a show like that if you're, if you're especially a Cub fan or even a baseball fan? And then that's what you're talking. So for me, that's what I love is kind of like combining my worlds. Like Eddie Vedder is one of my favorite musicians and he loves the same baseball team. I do. I love right. so so many movies that you've been in. Right. Gary Sinise has been right. in. Briggs had right. on in the last time we talked, he had Billy Corgan on. Billy Corgan. Great. Who was so wonderful. Uh, and runs yeah. the game. We got Bonnie Hunt. We have Mary Lou Henner. We've got some women coming in now. We've got, uh, uh, and, and, and even in terms of Nick ages, Offerman. Like got, Nick Offerman, we've got him interested. He wants to. I just, I got, I've been exchanging calls with him. He'll be doing. I know Vince Vaughn wants to do it. Bill Hader wants to do it. Uh, uh, Bob Newhart wants to do it. He's just been in some, you know, guarded health lately. But you know, he he's he he's willing. He will ready, willing. You know, not quite able yet, but wants to do it. But uh, uh, so anyway, like I say, when you tap into that, regardless of your age they tap into something that goes very deep in their, their senses, you know? 
You guys have a good crew when the Dodgers come out there. I've seen you guys out in some of those boxes before. That that has got to be a lot of fun to be a fly on the wall in that in that uh, skybox. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I never even know who's going to show up. You know, when we had the restaurant, we used to cater it. So my, here my wife would bring stuff from Tasty. We'd have the deep dish pizza, your Italian beef, you know, your combos, you know, Chicago dogs. It was as close you were going to be to Wrigley Field and still be in Los Angeles, you know. Uh so, yeah, that was always great. You never knew who was going to be there. I remember I walked in once. Jack Black was there from the White Stripes, was up in the up in the box. Uh, you know, Jamie Vince Fox was, there, was there. Jamie Foxx stopped by? Jamie Foxx, yes, at Hughes, yeah. he stopped by. Kerry Wood yeah. was there one time. I mean, yeah. uh, you just never knew who was going to be stopping by. And it was yeah, it was always so wonderful. So, I mean, uh, I, I thank Dodger ownership uh, for, for allowing us and, 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 and for um, Cubs ownership for kind of arranging for all that to happen. Very nice. Now, Briggs, talk to me. Who is coming up next at Hollywood Ivy? Because you guys always, like I said, you have guests that oh, yeah. I get excited. So when you tell me, Crawley, we got someone coming on, that's why I got to get you on here to kind of tell me what's happening. Yeah, so, so I wanted to add something initially just about uh, a few things Joe said beautifully, Joe. I believe that Bleacher Bums, I, I, I didn't want to lose this thought. I think Bleacher Bums was the foundation laying essence of the Bears and all the other Chicago stuff. You know, that was the first one. I think that lit the fuse for Lauren Michaels, George Wendt, and everybody over there. I also wanted to mention that when Joe and I did his show live from Taste Chicago in August of 2016, Crawley, it was August 28th, we had a show there, and Joe and I made a proclamation. Joe came on as some guy named Fat Tony from someplace named Springfield, where <laughs> some people named Homer and Marge happen to live that maybe you've heard over the past 30-plus years. But he came on as Fat Tony and made a proclamation. And we kind of take credit for everything that happened in 2016 forming that day. And in that moment when I was talking to Joe, I knew that Hollywood and Ivy could be a show because I realized the passion, the pain of Cup fans, and the ultimate reward, the beautiful reward that came in 2016. So, so much shared in that. that that's the moment we knew. It. And we kind of take credit for them winning it in 2016 don't we joe a lot of ways it works i'd like i'd like to you know but you know i'm sure there's a lot of others out there feel the same way but we'll yeah. we'll, we'll 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 say we'll, we'll put our two cents in and say we did our little bit it was like mitchell palooza at the beginning of old school remember the first party in mitchell palooza <laughs> everyone just stuck around and hung around the frat house and that's that's right. kind of what the show has become but the show crowley we got coming up with uh joe's going to be appearing live on zoom as he is now it's a week from today in Wrigleyville. It's with Carrie Wood and Joe Girardi. So we got two integral Cubs, part linked, really linked to two great Cubs teams, the 89 Cubs, Joe Girardi's rookie year. That was a, a big part of, of his career, his first year. And then the 98 Cubs we talked about with Carrie Wood. So two playoff teams, two great players, two, you know, Joe Girardi went and won a World Series. So it's talking about the essence of being Cubs at that time. And the reality of, of their the relationship with Joe, you know, Joe has a relationship with Joe Girardi as well. So we have those two guys. And then we've got, you know, nobody says no. They're all excited. It's just uh, how do we schedule everybody? How do we juggle all the, right. the, the people that want to come on? So uh, when we come back, we're, we can finalize and, and, and talk about, uh, you know, the others. But right now on the 27th, we got those two coming up, Kerry Wood and Joe Girardi, here in Wrigleyville. So one day and. And Joe, tell him about the first time he met Joe Girardi. That's a hell of a story. Oh yeah, that's a pretty kind of a because again, if, if he was with the if it was at eighty nine, it was his first year with the Cubs. Yeah. So yeah. it would have been that season. So I was throwing out the first pitch one of those games in eighty nine, and of course, what they do is they often have the you know the, the second string, third string catcher catch the ball for the first pitch. So it's so like they hand me the ball, and then this guy runs out to catch the ball. I know it's not the starting catcher because that guy's warming up, getting ready. So I throw the pitch. 
So the catcher runs up to me and goes, hey, oh, he, you know, well done. You want me – here, let me sign the ball for you. And I'm thinking, oh, God, this guy's going to be in Iowa next week, and he's going <laughs> to sign the ball. I was going to kind of save it and maybe get one of the guy, you know, one of the one of the regulars to sign it, you know, one of the guys that are going to run out to the mound or something. And I said, yeah, sure, okay, yeah, thank you. You know, he signs it. And I stick it in my pocket. And I'm thinking maybe I'll give it to a kid on the way out or something. You know what I mean? But whatever. I, I, I held on to the ball. I took it out. I put it in my case up here. I think it was later. Might have been years later. I, I'm going through my baseballs and I realize, oh, my God, that was Girardi that signed the ball. <laughs> and I'm thinking, so it just goes to the, don't take for granted who's maybe catching your first pitch because that guy may wind up in the Hall of Fame someday. So, I mean, so anyway, that's, that's something I, I look forward to sharing with him. Uh, if he doesn't know that already, uh, that I, that I almost did him a a, a, a a bad bit, a bad thing on my part, but thank now, God I held on to it, and so I'm very proud of it. Now, Joe, I got to ask you. I know I, I appreciate you for your time. You know, you're watching the Cubs. You have this crazy wild card chase going on. How close do you get to the follow follow the games? And and, and what's your what's your feeling right now? The temperature on the Cubs if they make the postseason or not? See, at my age, I've learned over the years. I don't, I, I wait, I'll, I'll wait. What is it? September 20th. See me in about five days. And then, then I'll tell you how my feelings are. Cause I've learned, you know, I learned back in 69, even it's like, don't, don't be, don't be getting yourself too riled up, you know, this early in the game. I mean, let's just see how it plays out. I even did that in 2016. I mean, I wasn't even right up until that, right up until, you know, Rizzo caught that ball for that final out. I still withheld a little bit of myself in check because I thought to myself, you know, they don't, they don't want to find you here in a puddle of like, you know, oh yeah, he died because of what happened with the Cubs today. No. Uh, so I'm going to hold that in reserve. Uh, my, 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 potential excitement we'll, we'll take it a day at a time yeah. uh, well, i appreciate your time joe and briggs both you guys for coming out thanks crawling you're the man is right thank you thank you i had a great time thanks pal yeah bye-bye